Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. The topic of the talk today is called Under the Circus Tent. And the way this topic came about was some dialogue in small groups. I've been meeting in small groups, it seems like, for the past month. And a few of the groups, we've been studying uh, the work of Sayadaw Utejaniya and his book, Dhamma Everywhere. So I'll read a little bit for you. And as we were contemplating some of what he was talking about, um, we were also commenting on how sometimes you sit down to meditate and you're really craving a quiet mind, a serene space, some stillness, some warmth, a lovely escape, and it feels more like a circus tent. You're under the circus tent. And so we, we were exploring some of what happens under the tent. And the first one for me, sometimes I sit down to meditate and a flamethrower appears. That's the, uh, the flame of anger, right? Someone upset me, something didn't go my way, and I'm lost at times, or we can get lost by that flamethrower, that flame that comes and goes, as we say. And then there's the juggler on the bicycle. <laughs> Have you been to the circus? <laughs> and that's the one that's balancing 10,000 tasks. And um, the to-do list is shouting. Sometimes it says, get up, get up, get that done, get that done. And then there's this, and then there's this, and this. Everything needs my attention. I can't focus on my breath now. There's a lot on that list. Um, and then there's the lion tamer, the lion and the lion tamer. And the lion represents to me those strong emotions that come up and strong feelings in meditation. It just comes up like a lion's roar. It just overtakes the mind and the body and the heart, flooded with it. And then there's the lion tamer with the whip that says, back off the emotion, you know, suppress it, repress it, down, 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 don't feel it. You know, get back in the cage, all under the tent of meditation, right? Uh, I've also met the trapeze artist mm -hmm. in meditation. Have you? That's these thoughts that take flight and fantasies. Uh, what I'm going to do in my retirement and the great <laughs> book that I'm going to write. <laughs> the great things I should have said and responded to that person and really won that argument, you know. Or my lottery ticket win, what I'm going to do there. Uh, right? So flying with fantasy and ideas, lost in a fantasy world, lost in ideas, lost in planning. And then there are the clowns. Bring in the clowns, right? There's always that clown. I, I've been to the circus a few times, and there's one clown that goes around um, in the crowds, and he has a little feather. And when you're not looking, he kind of hits you with a feather. Have you experienced that in the circus? <laughs> and those are all those odd, distracting thoughts, little fragments of thoughts that just come in and 
really take that quiet space away. Just these odd little things like uh, maybe I should get, um, you know, uh, this kitchen appliance I saw <laughs> at the hardware store, right? Or, uh, you know, maybe I should cut some roses and bring it. So, you know, just things that just <laughs> pop out of nowhere, you know? An ant you haven't seen from another state in 15 years, right? And then there are the clowns that, there's this little car that drives into the circus, and so many clowns come out of that car, more than you would think. I like to call them fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, inertia, uh, just all the worries of the world. It, first, it feels like it's a little car. They just keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And so um, the, my last one that I'll describe is the guy that gets shot out of the cannon, you know, the cannon one, right? <laughs> That's that, you know, big bang of uh, shame. I'm not enough, a critic attack, I'll never be enough. I was dumb and stupid, or why, or how. That one, you know, that one just can blow you right up, like, right? So how do we sit with all that going on? And then why would we sit with all that going on? Um, and, um, so I'll tell you a parallel story, and then we'll find our way in. And I'll read a little bit from Sayadaw's book, and we'll explore together. Anybody else have some uh, circus adventures that I didn't mention? Yes? Remembering the past. <coughs> yes. I don't know where that falls Yeah. about something that happened a long time ago. And getting lost in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, we could put that in a number of categories. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anybody else? Yes. What about the tightrope walker? And you've got uh, <laughs> uh, you've got present that you're trying to be on, but you're swayed either way, and then you get attached to being in the present. Oh. Great. That's a good one. Anybody else? I like these. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of them. I'd say um, the one who sells cotton candy, I should get up and have more coffee and have some cake, <laughs> right, and have some sweets or right, comfort myself in some way. Just, we've got lots of ways. So how do we get at, yes? Yeah, we talked about the lion tamer. Yes. We talked about the one that's sticking his head in the lion's mouth. Yes. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. I like the one who swallows the sword or the fire, right? I'm really feeding that anger. Let me swallow it, you know, and really, yeah. So we do a number of these things. So a, a number of years ago, this is a parallel story. I hope you can sense the parallel. Um, <clears throat> a group of us were meditating with... Um, Victor at Long Beach Meditation, you were there, I think this was a little before you, you were there, there's a number of you in the room who were meditating there, and one day a group of us decided that we would uh, wake up early on a Saturday morning and go to the beach and meditate at the beach, which is a lovely idea, and I welcome that as a group. I don't know if you were doing it then. Well, anyway, um, so we invited Victor 
And uh, Victor was horrified by this idea. Like he worked all week and wanted to sleep in. And he was just like, oh, please don't make me get up and get out of bed, you know. So we kind of said, well, you know, come if you want to, but we're going to try this and we're going to go. And so we brought our little cushions. We went down to the ocean. The weather seemed to be a lot warmer in the mornings it, back then. I don't know. That was just an observation. And I remember sitting at the ocean and just feeling the waves, the air, the peace of it all, the smell of the ocean through all the sense doors. It's just so sweet and pleasant. And just for that moment, the mind seemed to really still. And uh, just being in nature, there was this quiet peace and present, lovely, beautiful, sweet, sweet feeling. And when I opened my eyes from the meditation, there's Victor trudging in the sand, you know, with this grumpy face, you know, saying, oh, gee, we're woken up in the morning, you know. Um, he worked hard all week, like a lot of us do. And, um, but he looked at me, he paused, and he looked at me, and he said, um, it's great to feel the peace of the ocean. It's great. It's beautiful and it's sweet. But remember that all things, all things in this universe, everything, always holds three things. Right? It holds some kind of stress or suffering. It holds some kind of impermanence. It's going to come and go. And it holds not yourself. It holds no self, not self, something you take it to be. And until you grasp the relevance of that, the sweetness of the ocean will not last. And it hit me there. It kind of hit me. I, I was new to Buddhism. It was a while back. It really hit me that it wasn't enough. And it is enough on some level. Sometimes it is enough to just take in the sweetness of the ocean. And that's that momentary awareness, the sweetness. It's a great refuge, and it's a wonderful refuge to uh, access and to share in community. But until we bring that momentary awareness, that mindfulness in the moment, with the wisdom of the truth of the way things are, until we know both, we're not really free, right? We're not really free from the outer conditions. So it was a great teaching on that day. It just was great to receive that in this beautiful sky and sand and the sweet air, that it's mindfulness and wisdom and energy and faith. Right? All these spiritual faculties coming together to um, allow us to experience this freedom, this awakening. And the mind that's under the circus tent, I like to apply the concept of not-self to that to get free, right? Uh, the, there are just days where you're under the circum circus tent. It's causes and conditions. We're living not in a monastery or under a Bodhi tree. We're not in the forest refuge. We're in this world. And so many things come to challenge us internally and externally. And some weeks, they're real bumpy. 
many, many difficult things come and stressful things come and not so difficult. And it's normal for a mind to be agitated. It's normal for a mind to spin and a body to spin. And it's not so personal, right? And when we can see that, we can see our condition through the lens, this is not so personal. This is a mind and a brain. This brain has been around for thousands of years, shaped by um, just a life, just by life and, and the species going and going and going. And it's a mind like every other mind. And this mind has got a lot of activity today, right? It becomes less personal. It becomes less about me. I'm one among many. And um, <clears throat> if we can see that the body and the mind reacts to stress in similar ways, right? Then again, it's not so much me. So I'll read you what we've been reading in the group. And... Um, <clears throat> And then we'll talk about how this also applies. Some of Sayadaw's words. So he asks, um, who is meditating? And he says, uh, you are not meditating. It's the ideas operating in the background of the mind that are meditating. Right? So it's not who is meditating, but what is the premise of which you're meditating on. It's a different way of looking at things, right? Stay with me. Okay. The meditating mind is the mind that's aware, or the observing mind needs to be a Dhamma mind, a wholesome mind. When we have right meditation, when we practice with a wholesome mind, we can't say we're meditating properly when we're practicing with craving, aversion, or delusion operating in the meditating mind. When we practice with wanting or expectations, we are meditating with grief. When we practice with dissatisfaction and discontent, we are meditating with aversion. When we practice without having a real understanding of what we were doing, we're meditating with delusion. A part of the work in meditation is to begin to recognize these unwholesome tendencies when they arise. We can't help having these motivations while trying to meditate. We can recognize when there are wrong or unwholesome tendencies. So it goes on a bit. So, what he's pointing to is seeing, as we sit, is there a mind that wants something? Is there a mind that's grasping at something? We're very used to, in our Western meditation practice, trying to meditate on the object, right? Whether it's the breath, or the body, or the sense door, we're expecting that we're going to keep building the concentration by coming back to the object and coming back and coming back as the breath. 
And this is where we put our energy. And what uh, Tejaniya is trying to say is that we're not knowing the mind when we're just focusing on that object and that breath. We have to be able to look at the state of the mind that's looking. And when we can see how we're looking at something, we can get a little more free of it. And some practical examples. The, an easy one is um, anger. Find my note story here. And I had a really good quote that I like. Um, this one is, as we look at this, every moment has a choice. Every choice has an impact. How you respond to the issue is the issue, right? So that's from uh, Julia Butterfly Hill. Every moment has a choice. So this anger comes up. It's very interesting when we can bring some energy and attention and mindfulness to anger. And I had some issues with anger, some moments that were so interesting. When you kind of not get judgmental about it, I was looking at social media and I didn't like something somebody posted. Of course, this happens, right? All the time now. And I, I just didn't like what this, and it was a friend, had posted. And I felt in my body a surge of anger. I can almost feel it like coming up the body, hitting the heart and chest. Have you felt that? It's like got a little heat. But there was a little awareness there to say, who is angry? What is this? Good questions. Who's angry? What is this? There's another part of me that really knew how important was it, really? Like, was this, is this really important, you know? Uh, but it's easy to get snagged or caught in that wave of anger and to identify it and to cling to it, to, to attach to it and cling, you know. Um, so if that mindfulness is present and that awareness, then anger is the object, right? And how we're looking at it how awareness holds it is the state of the mind, right? And, and you could say, maybe that's a part of me, but that's not all of me. Just by looking at what's happening in the body, what are the thoughts, what are the emotions, right? To just explore that with some interest in energy. What's here? What's here? And to observe and slow down a little observe and slow down a little and then anger guess what it becomes impermanent i thought about the comment right but it didn't stick right it wasn't velcro it was more like teflon they say millennials don't know about velcro or teflon but i'm not sure okay it didn't stick and there was some wisdom right it got to be impermanent kind of wasn't me it wasn't all of me, it was a part, right? So then it's not me. And the truth is that friends will write funky things on social media that you have to read or not, right? So there's always going to be a little stress in relating. 
So you get to see the truth, right? And that is freeing, that's liberating. You're not caught, right? Awareness holds it. Even more, you know, uh, a little bit more. Uh, just little, little um, examples. A neighbor did not like some of the things we put out at the uh, trash area for a few days. She just didn't like it. And um, so I got a phone call. <laughs> and uh, she really spent a lot of time telling me how much she didn't like it. I mean, it really went on. It was very big for her, what was at the curb. It was a very big deal. It rocked her world. <laughs> you know? And um, I felt myself because of the practice, responding with kindness and compassion and warmth and really concern and just trying to be equanimous there with it and really allowing her to say her piece. And then I got a letter in addition, but that's okay. So, but let's use this for practice, right? Everything is for the practice. Another great quote that I like, if I can find it, um, is, Mishaps are like knives that either cut us or serve us as we grasp them by the blade or the handle, right? So the handle of that one is I also felt a little anger and just dizziness, like confusion, right? I could feel it at the top of my head. Where do you feel your anger in your body, right? How do you can feel it? And then again, there was a part of me that said, you know, is this that important? Like, are we? You know, I, and then there were thoughts. I could write her a letter back, and I can say this, and, right? Right? There were those thoughts, and there were emotions. She hid a little shame thing in there, you know, about trash and you know, your curb, you know, <laughs> right? But again, if you're using energy, attention curiosity, compassion, exploring the sense doors, you know, where are you in the body, what's happening in your mind, and there's some space. All of this comes and goes, like the waves, you're not caught, you're not caught, you're not caught. And so, um, and so one way is to not, you can see the object, but then look at what's looking. What is the state of mind that's looking? And one of the people in our group, um, she, uh, she was, she's reading along with this, and she uh, went to a meeting, a breakfast meeting, at the wrong time. And she got there, and no one was there. And she's just started fuming, where are they? I have to eat my breakfast alone. You know, and she just felt all the stress and anger in her body, like another example of what we do. And she remembered what is the object and who's looking, right? And so the object was what she thought of all the people who weren't there, right? And who's looking? How is she holding that event in her mind? And then she decided she would have a peaceful, solitary breakfast and enjoy her food, right? Just enjoy being alone. And when the people got there a half an hour later, she realized that she didn't have the right time, you know, it was just like that, right? So, um, 
so this is the way we can use this concept. I want to talk about another way um, we can use this concept, and that's cultivating compassion with awareness and really using, widening that compassion break. So I'll talk about that. So this is from Kabir. I've read it here before, but it's a favorite. So, okay, from Kabir. Friend, please tell me what I can do about this world. I keep spinning out of myself. I gave up expensive clothes and bought a robe. But I noticed one day that the cloth was well woven. So I brought some burlap, but I still thought it elegantly, threw it elegantly over my left shoulder. I stopped being a sexual elephant, and now I discover that I'm an angry a lot. I finally gave up anger, and now I notice that I'm greedy all day. <laughs> I worked hard at dissolving the greed, and now I'm proud of myself. <laughs> Kabir says, listen, my friends, there are very few that find the path. And uh, Thomas Merton says, the essence of a spiritual practice is a search for truth that springs from love. So we'll never, ever, ever uh, get to be that perfect, enlightened being. But if you do, please let me know. <laughs> you know just let me know. Drop me a line, right? But um, so we uh, have to or can, for a better word, Um, use compassion for these rough spots and when you're under the circus tent with yourself and in life, on and off the cushion. And one way to practice it is just um, that self-compassion break, really expanding it from Christian Neff. I think it has so much great dharma in it and wisdom. And that is that at times when you're under the tent, on the cushion or off, and there's the flamethrower or the trapeze artist or one of those, is to really notice in the body and in the mind that you're suffering. That this is suffering, this is stress, this is a human condition. However small or big, it's there to know it, to notice it. I went to a movie on Friday night, it was called Late Night, because I wanted to see those two great actresses together. And um, there's one scene in the movie where um, the young actress gets um, chewed out by the older actress, the boss, and really gets put down. And the next thing you see in the movie is she's talking and crying, but you, the camera doesn't show you that she's under her desk crying to her coworker. And I thought, wow, you know, most of us, we try to stuff those vulnerable moments and act very strong and push off of it, push away. You know, we don't even allow ourselves to know how deeply hurt we are, 
how deeply affected. We create this distance, this push away, push away. So I really loved that scene because it was honest. How many times have you wanted to get under your desk and cry? Mm. Right? A lot. Okay. So, um, so you're going to pause and know that this is a suffering. This is suffering, just like this. And the next part of this is that the most critical part, that this is the condition. Many people feel this way, just like me. I'm completely not alone. All minds suffer, just like this. They have these moments, just like this. One among many, many, many minds have this condition. So to bring in the shared humanity, or as Thich Nhat Hanh would say, this interbeing, that we're all related, we're all here together, we're all connected in this, just like this, this moment. And the next thing about it is to um, use touch, use a sense door of touch to make contact with the body. Because the nervous system is generating <clears throat> cortisol, stress hormone, right? Um, there's a nervous system that just does its thing. And it can agitate us or tighten us, tighten the grip. So using touch and practicing giving yourself and others the compassion that you need. And so we'll practice that together a bit. So see if you can Find a way to give yourself contact with the sense door of touch. Some of you may want to put your hands over your heart or just your hands on your arm or one hand over another. And close your eyes and, and see if you can make contact with that touch. Because we know that the nervous system feels soothed by touch and doesn't really know whether it's your touch or anybody else's. But it's a good way to wake up and come present to this achy heart in whatever way. And then you can either feel these phrases or silently repeat these phrases. It's a practice of giving yourself what you need and responding to the compassion by opening with it, with an open heart, rather than rejecting and pushing off and pushing away, blaming or criticizing for that vulnerable moment. May I find acceptance that allows me to be present in this moment. May I find acceptance that allows me to be present in this moment. May I find stillness in the midst of change or difficulty. May I find stillness here. May I find peace in the midst of this struggle, this moment of struggle. May I find peace. May I find softness in the midst of my resistance. May my body find peace 
May my mind find peace, find ease. And may I rest in compassionate awareness. May I find rest in this. You're training the mind to certainly pause, know, and be aware, right? You're training your mind to do that. And you're also training yourself to be interested rather than to push it away, to bring energy and interest here. And then you're learning to dwell in the heart, to give yourself the compassion for being human and for just having a human experience. We're a spiritual being in human experience, right? And so that's what we are. Um, and I wanted to talk about um, there's a teacher named Martin Alliard. I think he's from Europe. And he substituted the words greed, hatred, and delusion for the three C's. Um, compulsion, contraction, and confusion. Mm -hmm. That's helped me a lot to use those words because it, it hits a little more for everyday life, right? Uh, the compulsion, you can identify with that, you, you know, that compulsive thought, right? Contraction, you're closing up your heart and pushing it. And then the confusion, I'm in a fog, right? And he says the strategies we use are um, demands, right? Anybody make any demands on life, the way they should be treating me? That was one of Victor's famous lines. If we had a loudspeaker attached to our head, you know, we'd all be in trouble <laughs> with our demands, right? Demands, defenses, and the way we distract ourselves, our distraction. Not an easy path, right? Not easy, but worth, worthy of our effort, worthy of our investment. And it's a long path. It's not a short path. It's a long path, a very long path. And as we say in the 12-step programs, we'll be trudging along this path lovingly with each other, right? I'll meet you trudging on this path. Because that's what we do. We kind of, you know, we schlep. We trudge on it, right? We, sometimes we get stuck in the mud. But we're trudging on this path. It's a worthy path. So I'll leave you with this poem just for now. You can close your eyes and just for now, without asking how, let yourself sink into stillness. Just for now, lay down the weight 
you so patiently bear upon your shoulders. Feel the earth receive you and the infinite expanse of the sky. Grow ever wider as your awareness reaches up to meet it. Just for now, allow the wave of breath to enliven your experience. Breathe out whatever blocks you from the truth. Just for now, be boundless, free with awakened energy, tingling in your hands, in your feet, and drink in the possibility of being who and what you really are, so fully alive that the world looks different, newly born and vibrant just for now. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.